Welcome to A Week is a Long Time in Politics, topical political talk for A-level politics students. Tune in and join in the debate. Hello and good evening and uh, thank you very much for joining us this evening. I, I'm i Duncan, hello, and this is Clive. Good evening all. Hi uh, uh, Clive, how are you this evening? Yeah, good, thank you. It's a bit damp outside, so... Nice it to is. be indoors. It is a grotty <laughs> evening, isn't it? A bit cold as well. Um, so uh, we are discussing recent um, political news um, this week. We last did this two weeks ago, uh, and quite a lot has been happening since then, some of which is sort of today's news, and, uh, you know, we'll have to react uh, pretty much directly and immediately to it. If you want to join in with any of the discussions that we're having, do feel free to type into the uh, live chat window. And we'll uh, try and bring you into the di- discussion as well. Um, but shall we have a look f- straight away at what our first news story is? I don't know what order they're going to come in. I'm just pressing buttons, see what comes okay. up. So I think Press I'm probably going to go straight to Clive with this one. Um, here we go. It's Oh, today's news, the autumn statement. Uh, well, I may spend some of my time asking you questions about this. Oh, that's okay. Because... Because uh, nice to tease out what, what you make of it. Um, mm-hmm. Today's autumn statement, then, eight weeks or so after the fi- yeah. the last budget, which uh, clearly didn't go, go very well. Ni- neither of them are budgets, are they? They're both uh, no. statements, no. although they're very significant fiscal events, <laughs> shall we yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the one thing that we do get nowadays is we get pretty much it, it by default, because from certainly from the weekend, the majority of what was going to yeah. be said was already released in the media. Yeah. Um, in the past, chances have had to resign, haven't they? If they if they leaked, leaked out things, budget yeah. details, certainly mm-hmm. a guy did in nineteen forty forty seven. Perhaps not very surprising, Duncan. Do you think this is a return to austerity? This is austerity part two, a la Osborne twenty ten. It does appear to be, doesn't it? It seems to be austerity two point zero. We call it um, because there, there's clearly um, uh, rest- urged restraint on them. Um, on departmental budgets isn't there so although yeah. sort of suggesting that the education and health budgets are being um you know protected and i know there's some discussion about the exact figures there and quite whether the the maths entirely adds up but um you know the, the other departments are obviously going to have to make significant real-term cuts um and so that does feel like osbornomics in that respect doesn't it um and that we're back in the sort of debates and discussions of 2010 rather than yeah. 2019, maybe. Yeah. So some of the, some of um, statistics the OBR are putting out and other outlets are actually quite frightening. So apparently mm. the average family, whatever that means, is actually going to be £7,000 worse off over the next next two years. Because obviously mm. the, you know, the, the, the big sticking point still is energy prices. Yeah. And... Um, Chancellor Hunt, be careful how I say that. Jeremy Hunt was telling us that this was a, a budget that was born from uh, the war in from Russia, and Rachel Reeves was saying well, it was emanated from 10 Downing Street and 12 years of Tory governance. So, I'm not quite yeah. sure. You know, would you say that the truth is somewhere between the two and the global pandemic, Russia, but plus yeah. decisions made, made in governments have, have led to where we are today? Well, I think there's there's a bit of all of that, isn't there? I mean, you can't ignore, um, you know, a range of things that have happened that have affected our economy as well, 
specifically but also perhaps other economies as well um so yeah absolutely the impact of the what's happening in russia and ukraine um the covid pandemic um and the impact of that more specifically for the uk and obviously the government can be held accountable for this or at least it's earlier form of this government can be obviously brexit is having an impact on the uk economy as well and thus far not a positive i'm not trying to be partisan on that but so far it's had a a kind of a negative impact on the economy i appreciate in the future the global britain could prosper marvelously but that, that hasn't been what's occurred so far um so i think those circumstances that are outside to a certain extent outside number 10's control um have played a part um then of course we did have the last fiscal event only as you said only eight eight weeks ago um which had a massive impact and no one forced Theresa, uh sorry not Theresa may liz yeah. trust and uh Kwarteng to uh to, to bring in those policies um so that was a, an own goal wasn't it but then i guess there's also a sort of philosophical thing and i suppose this is one of the ways in which we can link this to to the specification there are various ways we can but you know it is partly the nature of our economic policy well so conservative economic policy and i'm sort of intrigued i was listening i was listening to what rachel reeves had to say and the extent mm. to which they were promising something significantly different from the other side of the house i'll be interested what 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 you think about that whether you know that they're kind of working within the same parameters to a certain extent that you have to balance the books um you know nobody wants to significantly increase taxes and so if you're if you're saying you're going to balance the books and you're not going to put up taxes some sort of austerity cuts type agenda yeah is is quite hard to escape and those are you know those are policies of choice there are alternatives aren't there you could put up taxes um you could say you're going to borrow more you know these these are options that are available you don't have to put taxes up for everybody you know um obviously they brought the threshold down for the higher rate of tax but they could have reintroduced a 50p rate higher up somewhere couldn't they if they if they uh, chosen to um they could have done more with the the uh, windfall tax etc so that there are things um that the governments could choose to do so it's not you know, yeah, yeah. So there's, I, there's mean, I, I guess the argument there is, isn't it? It is, as per usual, you have to begin to fact check some of the things that are now said by mm. politicians. Mm. And um, Jeremy Hunt was trying to put a positive spin on it, as he, as he indeed <laughs> you would expect. Yeah, but apparently, since uh, since COVID, we are the worst performing hmm. G7 nation in terms of, of GDP. And yeah. I guess in, in terms of exam. Um, purposes it would be what would labor do different and yeah. i guess some of the things would be they would tax non-doms which of course would affect mr sunik's wife one assumes but mm -hmm. that's going to be personal they would um put vat wouldn't they on on private schools or public schools yeah but, but that wouldn't raise a great deal so no, i was gonna say yeah. i mean these although they seem like they're big it's kind of tinkering isn't things, it really it, it is tinkering i mean it's it's symbolic tinkering and it's stuff that yeah, I mean, like the non-doms and stuff. It's 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 mm. potentially important. Um, yeah, Hunt's response to the one about the private school is quite interesting in a way. Yeah, the, this discussion mm. about whether because that might lead to more people going into the state system, whether that yeah. then ends up costing yeah. more money. Um, and if you're presenting it as a 
as a a revenue raising mechanism yeah. rather than a social policy that, you know believe you know based on philosophy of education or whatever then it's not necessarily going to make a great deal of significant difference and so yeah i mean what are the what are the radical differences so you know one the sort of preview was the uh was the kind of um windfall tax but yes. i mean the go- but the government is is increasing the windfall tax so whether yeah. labor would do yeah. more yeah. maybe um you know other you know things around tax tax uh, you know tax boundaries and things but it's it there's not a sort of huge philosophical difference even though the rhetoric is quite yeah. strong isn't it it's oh, this is a crisis yeah. created in downing street in terms of the kind of you know like a social democratic alternative we're not hearing a, a huge narrative of that or not yet i mean maybe we will but you kind of alluded to it and i think even you and i are a bit reticent to talk about it I saw Caroline Lucas at the very end of, of the debate saying, when when will the Conservatives and, and other politicians address that real elephant in the room, which is Brexit? And mm-hmm. a select committee, both um, Mark Carney and Andrew Bader both said how damaging, that, even though they're meant to be neutral, how mm-hmm. damaging Brexit has, has been to the economy. And mm-hmm. Hunt's response was, you have to give it time. And you think, well, how long do you give it when... Yeah. Currently, the impact is extraordinarily negative. Would Would Labour be wiser, saying that they would try and renegotiate? Well, it's not what in, in, yeah. in a single European market, but clearly, yeah, it's, not, you know, it's not what they're it, saying, is it? They're saying the no, opposite. No, absolutely um, not. Absolutely um, not. Now, whether that's what you know, what they're saying and what they do might be slightly different, but that's yeah. that's not always. Uh, well, you can't you can't uh, you can't know that, can you? And uh, you know, sometimes you have to believe people when they. T- <laughs> when they tell yeah. you what they what they want to do um you know obviously they feel that saying that you'd go into the single market or something is electorally problematic and that they'd lose votes and they're obviously basing that partly on the second referendum promise in 2019 and the impact of that but obviously yeah. we're in a different place now and the economic situation is what it is and if you could if you could establish that it would lead to some economic growth and that that might mean that you wouldn't have to make as many cuts and things, then, you know, who's, who's to say that it would be a vote loser? Um, but it is problematic. And if if Labour currently thinking they're making gains in the red wall and all that kind of thing, they don't necessarily want to put that at yeah. risk. But that is yeah. that is electoral politics and election yeah. campaigning. We're a long way off an election rather than, um, you know, actually dealing with the... Issues, did you get they? get the get the sense that it was a budget saying we were going to hang on desperately to the next election and hope that things may have improved? <laughs> I, I can't see there being an early election at the moment. No, no, I, I can't. But, no. I mean, I, I think part of the, the 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 rationale of his budget was to try and make sure that the financial markets were settled because clearly yeah. they were so spook, spooked by the previous budget. Mm. I mean, that is a massive aspect of all of this, isn't it? So, I mean, when Hunt first became Chancellor, you know, and basically just reversed what had happened um, yeah. in the Quarting, um statement, it was all about settling the markets. And then this kind of kicked this into the long grass a bit, didn't they? This yeah. this statement was going to come earlier and this I will do it later, you know, in order to basically do something rather more um, yeah. dramatic than perhaps was originally envisaged. You know, because we are basically into a sort of 2010-style austerity budget, and we're talking about huge sums of money, oh, which, we didn't, yeah. which we wouldn't normally be talking about in a, yeah. you know, 
autumn statement rather than a budget. It does feel more like a like yeah. a full blown a full blown budget. Yeah. In terms of the conservatism, the sort of conservatism yeah. we're seeing here, I and mean, thinking about the Conservative Party and their policies mm. and their ideologies. I mean, where does this sit? Is it is it Thatcherite? It's not it's not very Boris Johnson. No. It doesn't feel like Boris Johnson twenty nineteen anyway. It's not leveling up. I mean the uh the council ta- you know, moving things on to council tax, etc. I suspect yeah. you know, yeah. it's gonna have the opposite effect from leveling up. I think you'll find you know, the sort of less well off council areas are gonna really struggle. Um, yeah. because obviously they, they just can't raise the same sort of revenue through council tax as some of the wealthier mm. areas. Yeah. So it feels like a kind of level, you know, the end of leveling up. I think if if that hunt already, if that agenda hunt already dried up, it feels like it it has now. Um, we can't be more reminded of compassionate conservatism. Mm. I think you know, Tony Blair famously once said, "The only difference between a conservative and a compassionate conservative was a compassionate conservative apologised." Um, but. Mm. Uh, I mean, another example, isn't it? Social care has been kicked further down, down the. In terms of a significant uh, of, of, yeah, of, reform, yeah, a cap mm. on how much, it, whatever. Yeah. And yet Johnson is you know, his first speech in twenty nineteen was, yeah, we have a plan for social, have yeah. a plan for social, care, which you know clearly is not 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 the case. So, no, I mean, if, if there ever if there ever was a plan, it's on. clearly yeah. If you were a chance, what one dramatic. Thing would you do to try and improve the state of the nation's wealth oh, and health? Gosh. Well, fortunately, I'm not the chancellor. So that would be. I'm a, sure you uh, wouldn't be. A, you 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 would not be as bad as some of the recent ones, <laughs> for legal reasons. I won't name any. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I I suspect I would go for radical options too, but just rather different, <laughs> rather different yeah. radical options um, from both Hunt and yeah. Quateng. Um, I mean, the line well, was, wasn't you? Yeah, you, you, you just, can't you you me. can't borrow for growth. Which yep. obviously is a huge reversal. Yeah, and, the and it's not. Was, why didn't we borrow when interest rates were low? Yeah, and it's not. It's not entirely true that you can't borrow for growth, no. can you? I mean, the part of the uh, austerity narrative back in 2010 was this sort of a um, household budget analogy, wasn't it? And it was like that's right. You know, yeah. the, the spending's yeah. like uh, household budget, but it's not really like a household no. budget. Um, yeah, borrowing's more like. A mortgage, you know, it's it's um, you know, yeah. people do borrow money, but obviously now is not necessarily the ideal time to do it. And as you say, it would have been made sense to, as the uh, Conservatives always used to say in twenty ten to twenty fifteen, they should have should have um fixed the roof while the sun was shining, and and right. yeah. they should have fixed the roof while the sun was shining over the yes. last uh, uh, five five six years, really, when the interest rates were very low, um. I mean, a lot of these figures are sort of, they're quite, you know, I don't claim to be an economist, so I'm not going to, you know, potentially tie myself up in knots in this. But I mean, things like the inflation rate is likely to come down um, simply because at the moment we're we're comparing prices with pre-war, pre-Russia-Ukraine, so that that year change is, is a big one. As you know, once we get past sort of February, March, we're comparing it with the already inflated prices, aren't we? And so, yeah. although yeah. it doesn't mean prices are coming down, it doesn't make the cost of living any yeah. any easier to manage. The actual numbers, the, the inflation numbers, will start to look mm. something closer to normal, perhaps, um, unless things that we don't predict happen. 
and then that tends to have knock-on effects with interest rates and things. So these aren't necessarily sort of long-term. There are there are some significant long-term problems here that need to be dealt with, but some of the numbers aren't necessarily as long-term yeah. as. Well. I think I think they're saying, aren't they? You expect nine to ten percent this year inflation mm. going down to seven percent next year. Yeah, with certain items and much of my family's chagrin, tomato ketchup, a 53% increase, which is, now, to quote this trust, that is a disgrace. I think the big thing about the budget, would it placate the very divided Conservative Party and its backbenchers? There's some of the early stuff I've been reading is that uh, his his budget has been met with some very lukewarm mm. response from, yeah. uh, from from the Conservatives behind him. Yeah, I think I think that's right, and I think also not not MPs but Conservative supporters, yeah. some Conservative commentators, are very unhappy with this actually. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I think because of the eventual reaction to Liz Truss's and Quasi Kwarteng's, um brief tenure, we sort of forget yeah. that that was briefly really popular. I don't know if you remember the headlines. I've mentioned it before. Daily Mail. Yes, yeah, yeah. Fin- finally. Finally, yeah. a proper Tory budget and all that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And For that reti- yeah, and that rhetoric yeah. about um, the anti-growth coalition and all that kind of thing, it, it yeah. did, it did, um, you know, it, it did resonate with some people. And I think there are people who feel that this is a high tax, yes, um, yeah, non-investment type of situation yeah. where you know you're you're kind of. You're kind of uh, baking in low growth, mm. um, and uh, yeah, they're not entirely. You know, although I'd come from a different perspective on it, they're not entirely wrong about that, are they? I mean, this is, you know, this does kind of make recession almost inevitable in a way. That yeah. you know that, you know, the quasi quartang approach didn't work <laughs> either, and you can't uh, yeah. you can't borrow to pay for tax cuts. That doesn't yeah. that that doesn't make sense. Um, but, but would would you contend that the Conservatives can can no longer claim to be the party of low tax? Well, that's what. Uh, oh, well, that's an interesting one. I was about to say Keir Starmer or Rachel Reeves, one or other, made the point that they can claim to be the party of um, economic competence. But yeah, can yeah. They, yeah, the party of low tax is also problematic, isn't it? Um, you know, it's not that I I don't think Labour would be promising to cut taxes. No, from here no. Um, at all. Um, but that. You know, this is a tax-raising budget um, yeah. coming pretty quickly after lots of promises that of tax mm. cuts. And that's bound to upset yeah. some Tory voters who liked the first and <laughs> aren't keen on the yeah. on on the latter. You'd you'd assume. I mean, I you know, I've not spoken to lots of people today. I've just been sat in here typing, so <laughs> I've I've not kind of picked up what the uh, yeah. the mood in the uh, street is. Um, but I'd have thought there'd be quite a lot of people thinking, "Well, this I'm going. This is a. This is going to make me worse off." Um, yeah, exactly. yeah. And and you might think, "Well, that it would have been even worse if they hadn't done this." And if you're a sort of Jeremy Hunt fan and conservative voter, you might conclude that. But you might just, yeah, if you just look at it in a very sort of strict thing, this is a this intervention has made most people less well off. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's eventually what, like the OBR and stuff, will conclude, but that might be people's initial yeah. reaction. I guess it, if it means that the interest rates are are held stable, mm-hmm. then then yeah. some people, as long as their mortgages don't increase yet again, yeah, yeah, then they can 
then it will be um, mm. deemed a, yes. some success. But. And I, yeah, and again, it a lot depends on what your situation is, isn't it? If you're, yeah. you know, yeah. if you're on a tracking mortgage, then that's mm. going to be your priority. You know, um, if you're a public sector worker, you might, you know, have a, you know, be feeling this is inevitable pay pay restraint at a time of high inflation. Yeah. yeah. Um, different people are going to have very different responses to it aren't they there's a lot we yeah. could say about this um yeah we have got other stories so i think we probably yeah we better go we better move haven't we probably better move on um, Remember the oh god oh. <laughs> i'm <laughs> keeping yeah. a, keep going with all the uh, fun stories today yeah um there was an announcement wasn't there it was yes mm-hmm. good old trump from his uh rather large property in florida mm. and despite the midterms is apparently yet again going to run for president, which is had a mixed reception because some of his you know, former acolytes, including um, Rupert Murdoch, are suggesting that that's that's not such a good idea. I think was it the New York Times called him Trumpy Dumpty? Was it something like that? Yeah, yeah. Like I that. yeah I noticed one of the um, one of Rupert Murdoch's publications in America. I can't yeah. remember which one it was. Actually, yeah. had front page about something totally different it just had a small banner down at the bottom florida man makes announcement it's like it's like i mean that's a you know very much minimizing the significance of um yeah of donald trump's announcement i mean it can't help but be significant can it i mean a former president uh running for president again they do have some advantages as a result of that presumably in the system you know in terms of the primaries and things like that that puts them at some i mean obviously there's probably some disadvantages as well in terms of people know what what uh, four years of trump would be like but um you know name recognition campaign funding um existing support base to go out doing the campaigning etc must give him some advantages over potential other candidates i'd have thought yeah um i mean i never thought he'd become president in the first place so i'm <laughs> <laughs> really overqualified to, to, to speak uh, because I was amazed that he, he garnered the amount of support he did mm. and you know, maybe it was just America wanted to change after after the Obama years I, I don't know but uh, yeah. you, you wonder from the Republican point of view whether he actually will be the, the best candidate and uh, you know, the, the Florida governor Ron DeSantis who Trump calls Ron DeSantimonious Good old Trump. You bank on him to be polite and courteous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, may well be better place being forty-four yeah. years old and the new the new boy, new kid on the block. Whereas Trump has got so much baggage, and who knows, he may be in court any time soon. Yeah. So and that yeah. that may be a factor in him wanting to run again. Of course, I suppose. Um, well, yes, he can. Yes, exactly. Being, 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 to, being to, cynical to reprieve himself from any misdemeanors of the past, but. Mm. I, I, I think the Republican Party may, 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 may after the, the midterms and the fact that everyone that Trump personally backed mm. failed. Didn't, yeah. Thankfully for American democracy, BBC mm. Lewis Goodall told me to say. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, well, can he make America great again? Did he make America great again? I <laughs> thought so. But I mean, in yeah. in terms of. You know, it's it's very difficult to predict these things because I mean, as as you said, a lot of people thought, oh, he won't, he wouldn't be elected 
previously. It, first of all, that he wouldn't get the uh, nomination, and then when he did get the nomination, that he wouldn't um, win the election. I remember going to bed that night when we didn't know, saying this feels yeah. like the sort of year where I might wake up to President Trump, and, uh, and sadly, <laughs> sadly, I was right last time. Um, yeah. uh, from my biased perspective. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, the Republican Party, in my view, would probably be rash to choose him um mm. what they don't know of course is whether biden's going to run again yeah or whether there might be a different democrat mm. um and whether that has an impact on who you'd who you'd yeah. run um you know you'd probably think if you put someone a bit younger and more um dynamic I'm not being ageist here, but potentially up against yeah. Biden, then that might have a an impact. Yeah. Um, whereas you know it'd be two, the two old two old white men again. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, saying the, re- the midterms may may have just about energised Biden as well as running. Yeah, I saw that as well. Yeah, they were expecting uh, mm. a lot more defeats, especially in the House of Representatives. Yeah. And Biden. Largely because it would have seen that females of the age 18 to 39 have voted in droves, mm. partly as a result of the roadway pronouncement. Well, maybe yeah. probably born partly. Uh, may, may have given him the momentum to be able to run as president again. Yeah. But, uh, but if he if he doesn't, then some of the other potential people might... There might be people feel that, well, maybe Trump would yeah. be good at sort of bullying, bullying them in yeah. debates and things. Um, I don't... And I don't about- don't Talking know. about elephants in rooms and you know, nothing about his yeah. personal physique or mentality, but if Trump did, did not become the Republican nominee, would, would he run as an would he run as a as an independent like Ross Perot did years and years and years ago? Might he's got the do, wealth, well, he, might he do. has wealth no. based on whatever he claims his property to be worth. So yeah, he's one of those people that that could potentially do that. I mean, the only yeah. thing that might put him off doing that is the knowledge that he, he almost certainly wouldn't win i mean yeah. that might put him off altogether it hasn't so far hasn't put him off no. um declaring um i don't he's not someone that would want to to lose of course and i don't think he took yeah. well we know he didn't take losing very yeah. well um <laughs> last time or, or um, Trump lost. well exactly and i suppose that's always your <laughs> that's your way of avoiding ever being a disappointed because it's always it's always fixed um but you know as an independent you're pretty much guaranteed to yeah even even a very high profile independent you're not going to uh set the world alight and probably just guarantees the democrats the a victory really doesn't it if you have a a kind of trumpite independent um but of course if the republicans go down a a more moderate route and kind of try and put the Trump years behind them. Um, yeah. There is this angry sector of American yeah. opinion that yeah. will want an outlet for that somewhere. And if they don't feel... Well, it sounds like DeSantis' policies are not that dissimilar to Trump. Mm. It's no. just that he's that much younger at 44. Mm. And obviously he hasn't got the quite so many legal cases, as far as I'm aware, no. you know, stacked against him. But... Uh, no, I don't know. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe likely to run. So. Hmm. Be interesting to see who else might, yeah. who else might yeah. go for it. Um, I mean, I'm 
struggling to think of people. Yeah, there are quite yeah. can think of several sort of up and coming Democrats. I'm str struggling to think so much yeah. of up and coming Republicans, yeah. but I do think that's partly because Trump has been this sort of dominating figure, yes. hasn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. I'm sure people who pay more attention to American politics will probably have some names um, of potential. But, it, but isn't it odd? I mean, I read this years ago and mm. I didn't really ask it. Perhaps it didn't resonate enough that with American politics in particular, you become elected and then you spend the next four years and your prime aim is to be re-elected. Yeah, yeah. And it's it is, yeah. You know, really almost bizarre, isn't it, that they actually had to commit mm. so much time to yeah. trying to stay in office rather than perhaps doing the yeah. job that they should be doing. And then, of course, if you do get a second term, you don't have any idea of being re-elected because it's that's it then, yeah, and so right. you become yeah. that sort of potentially yeah. sort of lame duck president. But um, yeah, but, but at least you might actually be able to do some governing rather than just trying to trying to win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. interesting. I can't remember which yeah. button that was. Oh, hang on. There we go. Uh, while we're on American politics, should we? Yeah, talk about the midterms because you did mention them before yeah, that it might have emboldened. Um, yeah. Uh, Biden potentially for another presidential run. Now, if we looked at this without knowing anything about American politics, if you're just sort of looking at the headlines, that might surprise people because you know he's lost control of yeah. the uh, of the House, um, and so it's going to be a bit harder to pass legislation than it was before these elections. Um, so how is it good news for Biden? If I agree it is, but well, okay, it's, it's it could, it could have been a, it is. Been a damn, damn sight worse, couldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was really surprised. You know, I was looking at very briefly at some of the stats. Mm. And in recent times, I mean, you know, sort of late 70s, early 80s onwards, only George Bush in 2002 actually gained seats, apparently. Mm. And um, Obama lost 63 in 2010. Trump lost 42 in, in 2018. So the fact that they may only lose you know a minuscule number, albeit it means they lose control of the House of Representatives. Yeah, can, you know when I mean, they were expecting a huge Republican surge, yes. and it just just didn't happen. No, so and that and that's, and that's it, isn't it? It's the kind of symbolic thing, partly, isn't yeah. it? That they this imagined surge didn't happen. There was a lot of talk about it um, because obviously, although not to the in the, quite the same way as we are, there are economic issues in america yeah. lots of um you know lots of controversies and things that people did think that yeah. uh biden might get a, a mini beating in the uh midterms and it hasn't well, i think i think inflation was at 32 percent the key issue mm. followed by the rights of women to self-determination over their bodies mm -hmm. i.e road weight and abortion was 29 percent yeah so you know, it's clearly they, they voted by issue, I yeah. guess. As I yeah, said before, yeah. there was a huge number of 18 to 39-year-old females who came out and supported the Democrats. Yeah, yeah. Based largely on that issue, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you think perhaps the the kind of spectre of Trump had an impact on these results as well in that, um, yeah. you know, people might be willing to give the governing party a bloody nose at um uh, yeah at the midterms um but they don't necessarily want to give any sort of encouragement to Donald Trump necessarily i mean obviously there are people who would vote republican anyway some of whom love 
love Donald Trump enormously, but the people who might use the midterms as a sort of protest vote to say we're not too keen on what you're doing at the moment, sort it out before the next <laughs> before yeah. the next presidential election might have been given pause for thought. You know, well, we don't want to. Yeah. There's a lovely thing. There's um, you know, something which. Obviously, you know, rates as highly as, as our discussions when Ross Atkins does something on BBC. And he, he got, um, I think it was a, a former CB, well, said CBBs, but CNN, whatever. <laughs> yeah. CBNC, journalist. maybe? Yeah, that's yeah. one. Yeah. Talking about Trump. And Trump said, well, if they win, it's all down to me. And if they lose, it's nothing, <laughs> it's nothing to do with me. No, absolutely, but, yeah. But, but, you know, the, <laughs> clearly a lot of the voting appeared to go against Trump. And Ross Atkins was saying, "Thank goodness for that, because American democracy was really on a on the brink. Because if, if they had gone to the way of Trump and Trump governors, then all election results in the future may well be tarnished by you know, Trump's claim for victories, yeah. which clearly the majority of us you know, regard as being falsified and and, mm. and not the case. So, yeah, interesting. Because I must admit, I, I was concerned that." Mm. <laughs> Not you know nothing to do with political as much as with political allegiance, but just in terms of, I'm not a particular fan of Trump, and certainly certainly what happened on January the sixth, whatever it was, around the Capitol yeah. Hill. So, yeah, and and you can't minimise that, can you? I mean, even for a lot of Republicans, that was, you know, yeah. very much beyond the pale. Um, it wasn't something an acceptable, you no. know, a- yeah. aspect of American politics. Um, no, I mean, and obviously, Liz Cheney speaking out against it. I mean, yeah. it's probably a political career, pretty much. But at least she's, you know, mm. had the, the the dignity and decency to say that was, yeah, that was totally yeah. wrong, irrational. I mean, the saying Trump you know, is more off the wall now than ever before, and you know, he's ranting and raving and yeah. not a happy buddy. <laughs> no, I th- but I suppose the thing that you kind of can't escape is that there is a section of American yeah. public opinion that very much that's really angry, you know, about lots of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and feel that their voice is, is kind of echoed to some extent by yeah. Trump, that he's a, you know, that he is a spokesperson for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, know, the, anti, the anti-woke movement. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've never quite clear what it means either, but, uh, but it is there. Um, it's here too. Um, yeah. You know, and, you know, we do see, you know, whenever anyone posts something about, um, you know, for example, you know, sorry to change the subject massively, but you know about refugees and things in the yeah. in the UK, you will see pages and pages of very yeah. um, extreme comments, really, yeah. um, about it. Um, and it, it is a significant voice in politics on both sides of the Atlantic, um, yeah. and Trump does, you know, yeah. provide some outlet for that. Absolutely, politics. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it can be written off. Um, no. But what he managed to do previously was com- essentially ally that with mainstream republicanism, and whether whether that's still possible for him to do, following what we, you know, following the yeah. coup attempt and all that kind of thing, and, and his bad loser, um, <laughs> you know, uh, response to the last presidential election. I don't know, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't think he'd have put himself forward. I don't think he'd have made his announcement if he didn't think he had any chance of, yeah, of, of getting there. He yeah. must feel that he's got yeah. some support. 
Yeah. But we, sh- we yeah. shall see. <laughs> That's one, one, one for the future, isn't it? The ongoing it story. That's Donald J. One, Trump. One we'll see, isn't it? Um, yeah. What's happening here? Oh, no. Done that one. Done that one. All oh, right. Okay. I think this is our, our final story. Um, yes. And it's obviously one we keep coming back to, one for global politics students, obviously, primarily. We've had a couple of ones for US students, so this one's for you global people. Um, although, you, you know, there are other aspects, there's British foreign policy and American foreign policy elements to this as well, I guess, as both a part of NATO. Um, but it's mostly a global story. Yeah. And I suppose the big thing, because we obviously we keep coming back to this, but the big thing that happened this week was um, a missile um, exploded in, in Poland, which is a NATO member. Um, and obviously, initial response to that was, you know, quite a lot of alarm about it. Um, you know, was it deliberate? Was it, um, you know, would it would it bring NATO into the conflict? As things sort of developed over that night and the next morning, it became increasingly probable. I mean, I know um, the Ukrainian government still disputes this, but it became increasingly probable it was actually a. Um, a Ukrainian anti-aircraft missile that they were mm. trying to take down a, a, a Russian missile and, and, and that accidentally um, ended up in Poland. Um, and that's sort of taken the, the heat out of it, if you like. I mean, the blame from NATO and from the Polish government, etc., is still very much at Russia because there would be no missiles in the air from either side if Russia wasn't, yeah. um, you know, attacking ukraine and invading ukraine um and there's no sense of you know kind of blaming ukraine for trying to defend itself but obviously people you know people did die in it and it just it does raise the the issue because another time it might be a stray russian mm. missile or, or whatever I mean, these things happen in in wars um so the nato reaction to this is of is of interest isn't it um and also i've seen a couple of things this week um from kind of peace movement type com- campaigners and people sort of more kind of historically anti-war type voices asking whether the un could be doing more to try and bring this conflict to an end perhaps using this latest incident as a sort of kind of indicator of the risk and danger to you know, even beyond. I mean, obviously, there's the dreadful loss of life in Ukraine already, but the, you know, that the the risk of this of, of this um, expanding is not insignificant, and therefore, you know, perhaps should focus should be on ending the war. Yeah. So there's there's those two aspects to it, aren't there? Really? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the big thing wasn't on Tuesday night when the uh, reported from United States intelligence about this missile mm-hmm. was whether. The fact that this is land on Polish territory, where Article Five would be triggered, yeah. which is the NATO dictum, isn't it? That a, an attack on any NATO country, of which there are thirty, yeah. is an attack on all. And uh, apparently, I'm, it's only, only have been have been used once, and that was after the, the attack, yeah. the, the Twin Towers. Yeah. And then people kind of calmed down a bit, um, and were saying, "Well, they'll go to Article Four first, yeah. which is actually just saying we will have a consultation." And there's and that, use of that, and that has happened, doesn't it? Yeah, that's happened. I took the heat out out of out of the what mm. could have been obviously potentially an overreaction yeah. to 
to the, the circumstance. Yeah, big... and certainly some of the initial media reaction and some politicians' reaction yeah. definitely went with that over, you know, overreaction, yeah. if you like, or potential overreaction to the situation. Yeah. It's just to show the the risk involved in this. Yeah. Um, I mean, presumably, if evidence had been, you know, had been forthcoming to suggest that this was a Russian missile, and perhaps more particularly that it had been a, you know, a deliberate provocation yes. rather yeah. than a misfire or whatever then yeah. you know article 5 could well have been um yeah in, yeah in vote. um yeah. And one, and, one of the experts i was listening on the radio because i spend most of my life listening to radio these days mm-hmm. was was actually you know be careful what you wish for because at the minute mm-hmm. we're all wishing for putin to be removed from office you know by yeah. whatever method that be but he, this guy was saying it's very much like Germany at the end of World War One, when we got rid of Wilhelm, who basically you know created World War One, but lost lost it, and Germans' response was to put in in yeah. um, in Hitler, and yeah. apparently because Putin has basically got rid of all the moderate Russians, we are likely to end up with a more nationalistic. Yeah, I mean Ru- they definitely they definitely are yeah they definitely are you know hardliners. Yeah, you know harder liners you know um on the fringes that you know would probably quite you know potentially want to remove putin and replace him with someone you know we sort of think all the pressure on putin is going to be a moderating influence and we, yeah. you know the, the impact of the sanctions we've got to end all this but there is a probably a louder voice from where putin's sitting of you know you're losing this war you know you're making us look um yeah you make diminish yeah we need we need to show you know show yeah. that we we're we're the more powerful um yeah. yeah that we're the powerful regional power um and that you know that's a very scary um yeah influence on the russian government yeah. um, i think it's sort of like exam question isn't it in the past has been is is nato still a significant body Mm. And the textbook I used to use, which was written in 2017, was actually mm. sort of highlighting that there was increased tension between Russia and, you know, inverted commas, the West. And mm. probably at the time, I was with students, well, you know, nothing much has happened and people will mm. take. And NATO, yes, has been involved in Afghanistan, um, been involved in, in, in some, but uh, we actually are living in, you know, mm. post-Cold War, therefore, but... I mean, if Ukraine was a member of NATO, my word, you know, wouldn't things be different? Yeah, be, yeah, it would be. Well, I mean, two two possible ways things could be different. One is that we could be in a world war. I mean, the second, I suppose, is that Russia might not have invaded yeah. Ukraine, yeah. Um, yeah. and that's obviously part of why there's been something of a, yeah. you know, move towards further expansion of NATO, which only anger Russia more, of course, but. Yeah, exactly. other countries think yeah. well we we want to join nato now because we don't we don't want yeah. russia to to invade us yeah. um i mean this, this that, that, all... that, that certainly was putin's argument wasn't it that mm. uh imperial russia as he likes to think it should be was was mm. being slowly pushed against by yes by NATO, NATO. <laughs> yeah expanding whatever yeah. you know and this idea that they're being encircled or whatever yeah. um I mean, this is obviously a hugely controversial thing to suggest. I'm not. This isn't necessarily my opinion. It's just when we're sort of thinking about the global political responses to this and what can be done about it. I mean, does Putin or Russia need to be 
given a route out of this, if you like. I mean, you know, in terms of negotiations and uh, peace deals, you know, obviously any suggestion of that tends to get shot down as being, you yeah. know, it's pro it's pro Putin or it's uh, you know it's uh, it's not showing sufficient solidarity to Ukraine and and you know, understandably people get that view, but ultimately it's the people of Ukraine who are suffering so finding some sort of way to to end the war isn't an anti-ukrainian no. perspective i mean clearly what you can't do is you know from a kind of global politics real politics um you know perspective mm. is to say it's a you know well it was yeah. okay for russia to do this and yeah. and have have a bit of ukraine before, for your for your for your troubles you know that yeah. russia can't be seen to yeah to 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 um to, to kind of win from this if you like yeah. um but at the same time they're not going to surrender are they i mean there's never you know we're not going to have a situation where russia will surrender to ukraine so uh, have you just got like a a permanent war until some sort of yeah. till at some point some kind of negotiation can be settled because at, at the moment it feels like you know only ukrainian victory and russian defeat is the only acceptable yeah. end point and actually very few wars end like that i mean most wars end with some sort of ceasefire yeah. and negotiated settlement that and a ceasefire that holds and eventually becomes permanent it's 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 the it's a rarer thing that you know you end up with absolute victory for one side or another and when it's the much weaker side against the much more powerful side at least on on paper and what you'd mm. expect to be the case that that seems an improbable end point yeah yeah I mean, it's going to the harsh winter now, isn't it? So mm. you wonder whether whether just the the, you know, the very fact that a lot of fighting will just be almost suspended because of yeah of, of the conditions, whether that will. But you know, yeah, you, you just hope for for all parties involved mm. that, that that there can be a, a negotiated peace, which yes. is acceptable, settled all. And you kind of from the Ukraine point of view, it must be quite difficult because. If they are, what what would be acceptable? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, would they want Crimea back, mm. for example? Would they want to yeah. go back to pre twenty fourteen? Would they want uh, other areas back? So it's you know, it's mm. very very difficult. Isn't it? It, it it is hugely difficult, and I guess that's you know, that's why there's a war and not uh, not a yeah. political discussion going on. But it's um, you know, sometimes you feel like people on Twitter and things are kind of it's very easy to play kind of. Yeah. risk you know play a game of risk or play a game of chess with other people's countries yeah. and, and lives and things but obviously these bombs are raining down every night and yeah. you know and you know russian conscripts as well you know all sorts of people yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know who've no you know like, haven't yeah, asked asked to be here you know yeah at some point i mean the only sort of there's not necessarily a, a great um equation was, was the good friday agreement belfast mm -hmm. agreement in 1998 where both sides had to take huge risk, knowing yes. that it, it wasn't a perfect solution, but it was, it was better than the the situation they were in. Yeah. So, but who 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 can broker it? I honestly don't know. No. And and you know, the political bravery, I suppose, of the Good Friday Agreement is was you know risking losing the support of your own. Yeah. You know, supporters and and sides, wasn't it? To say, well, yeah, we're yeah. we're prepared to give this. Yeah. Um. And you know, certainly don't envisage Putin um, making any no. allowances. But you know, no. you know, you, you totally understand um, the Ukrainian government not wanting to uh, 
yeah, seem absolutely. to be giving any ground to Russia either. So it's it's it's, it's hugely hugely difficult but it is hard to see how it ends without some sort of yeah peace process yeah. of some description through right. international through global governance of of some description which brings us back yeah. to you know nato or united nations and yeah in some ways nato isn't going to do it is it because nato is seen as whether correctly or incorrectly as a player in the yeah. in this conflict yeah. well, aren't it's, they it's officially um, described as a political and military organization yeah where um, I suppose United Nations is more of a seen as an appeasement as opposed to a mm. an aggressor, and and does this show some you know the ineffectiveness of the United Nations really in that we barely hear about yeah. the United Nations role in in this conflict, do we? Um, very very rarely, and I guess it's partly because of Russia's status as a permanent member of the Security Council. Yes, um, yeah. but it, it's also just you know that. The United Nations, you know, perhaps going back to Iraq, maybe before that, even the United Nations has become something of a bystander in these yeah. scenarios. Um, we'll have quite a lot to say about it, but not necessarily very much to to yeah. do about it. You couldn't imagine a situation where you had, you know, blue helmet, you know, uh, United Nations troops on the ground in in eastern yeah. Ukraine. Certainly not yeah. any time soon. No. Probably one mm. one we'll still be talking about, sadly, in a, a few months' time. So. Yeah, I fear so. Yeah. Anyway, we've we've covered. Oh gosh, we've we covered do. an awful lot. I'm just pretty, yeah. pressing all the buttons now. <laughs> I just want to get rid of them. Oh, there we go. Right. <laughs> I mean, it looked so slick up to that point, and then I've just pressed all the buttons <laughs> and had every everything up to it. Suddenly, you realise it's it's harder than it looks on the BBC or whatever. Isn't it? But um, <laughs> anyway, thanks very much for discussing this with. With yep. tonight, Clive. I think we've covered some important stories. We normally, before we sign off, have a little think about what uh, we might be discussing in a couple of weeks' time. In fact, in two weeks' time, I'm going to be off doing um, uh, sociology strong foundations revision workshops right. around the country. So it'll probably be multi-talented, multi-talented. <laughs> but I, I, as such, probably won't be able to fit in a. Yeah. Um, fit, fit in a a, a live stream next week. Uh, well, we'll do one next week, but probably won't be able to fit one in the following week. Um, so we're probably talking three weeks' time before the next time we look back on the news. It'll be a sort of pre-Christmas. You know, we might we might put Santa hats on or something for that one. But um, what sort of stories do you think we could potentially cover at that point? The demise of Dominic Raab. Oh, do you think Rob could go? He's obviously uh, put this investigation into himself, hasn't he? You, yeah. you're very good at predicting these people going. So maybe. Oh, no, I, I thought Su- I thought Su- would be gone. By actually, now. that's true. That's true. Yeah. So and, yeah. Yeah, Rob, Rob, Rob's replaced her. It's, it's like <laughs> Panini sticker things you see it for football, isn't it? Like a Panini cabinet yeah. sticker, whatever. And who's going to be in it next week? I think Rob might be in trouble. Yeah. I know. I keep mentioning this, but at some point, it's got to come to a head. At some point. Um, a decision will have to be taken over who will be the uh, Labour candidate for Islington North at the next general yes. election. Um, yeah. And when that point comes, it is going to be, a, you know, a trigger point and a point of significant infighting yeah. in the Labour Party. Um, I suspect one of the first things that would happen as a result of any major announcement on that would probably be the, the local Labour Party in Islington North being suspended or at least it's um mm. it's general committee executive committee etc and them having a candidate imposed 
imposed upon them or select, selected by the National Executive Committee. Um, or will he run for Mayor of London? Well, there were some rumours about that. I, I, my personal I feeling is he wouldn't. Um, partly because I don't think it's something that he's ever sort of particularly expressed any interest in 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 the past. Um, I don't think he's, you know, any got any sort of particular criticisms no. of Sadiq Khan, especially. So, you know, I don't think he'd feel yeah. it was necessary necessarily to uh, to stand against him. Um, you know might want to run to try and be a Labour candidate for, for Mayor of London, but he wouldn't be successful with that uh, um, for various reasons, um, probably because uh, if if nothing else, probably expel him. But then that is starting to get into that sort of Ken Livingstone in whatever year it was territory yeah. then, aren't you, where, you know, you know, you could potentially see that sort of situation happening. But I don't think so. And also I don't think... But I could be totally wrong about this, but I don't think he'd stand as an independent for Islington North either. I think ultimately he still sees himself as a Labour um, person. He's still a Labour Party member, even though he's not a Labour MP. Um, am, am, I being, am I being really naive? The way some of the papers report it is if he was to apologise over the anti-Semitic inquiry and make his peace, then things could move on. I mean, surely, surely it's, it's more detailed than that. Yeah, I mean, there is a bit more to it than that. So my understanding, and obviously people can type yeah. in and uh, disagree yeah. if I'm wrong about this, but uh, um, is that the statement that he put out was one that was discussed with um, the Labour Party before he put it out. Mm. He had, he did do a clarification afterwards, after there was, mm. you know, to try and get the whip with drawn. So it's it's quite difficult to see what else he could say about that. I mean, you know, other than essentially to admit to something that he doesn't believe, you know, that, that's, that yeah. you know doesn't believe to be true. So I, I think that's problematic. So he feels that what he's said on that situation yeah. is is accurate. I mean, if you go back and read his full statement, it was that one anti-Semite yeah. is one too many. Anti-Semitism is yeah. a terrible scourge but that it was overstated for political reasons by the media and opponents. He thinks that that's true, and I don't think yeah. he's prepared to apologise for something that he thinks mm. is true. Interestingly, I think Angela Rayner said she thought that it was also true, but that he should still apologise for it. I don't know quite what... <laughs> that, 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 that becomes sort of problematic at that point. Um, but also, I think he's the only um, person who signed the Stop the War um, Coalition's letter about um, Russia and Ukraine... Who, yeah. who didn't later withdraw it. Obviously, the others withdrew their signatures from it because they were told they'd have the whip withdrawn if they didn't. So people like Diane Abbott and John McDonnell and yeah. people. Yeah. Um, she, he didn't because obviously the threat of withdrawing the whip <laughs> wasn't effective because he didn't have the the whip anyway. Um, I mean, yeah. it's an out of date letter now. It was irrelevant. It was it was from before the invasion, so it doesn't really mean anything now. But I think there is also a feeling that he's been yeah. too critical of NATO as well and that that would yeah. also be a reason for not allowing to have the uh, the whip restored. So I think I think the chances for Jeremy Corbyn to have the whip restored are pretty much none. Um, yeah. So quite what will happen. Uh, Angel. Know, but it's not that. There's the day. Yeah. Angel, Angel's barking, telling us, if time's up, you've been nearly an hour. Stop it. This was yeah. meant to be what's the what's the, this was meant to be the quick what's we what might we discuss next time, not not get yeah. on to uh, what's gonna happen yeah. with Jeremy Corbyn. But anyway <laughs> Is anyone still watching? There's still four people watching this. Very good. Gonna yeah. be letters. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe you've 
stayed on for this long. Okay, we are going to sign off now. Um, You got to see the dog, though, so that was good. Just running away, barking. Okay. Um, And uh, I'll see you very soon, Clive. And uh, we'll see which of us are right, whether it's Dominic Raab or the uh, Flashpoint in Islington North that happens next time. Might might be both. Okay. Take care, then. See you soon, then. Bye. Bye. A Week is a Long Time in Politics has been brought to you by Tutor to You Politics for all your A-level politics resources and revision workshops.